Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey everybody, Richard here. Welcome to another Network Marketing Hero Call. People that had the opportunity to build a team, had the same challenges as everyone else, caught the vision and went out over four or five, six or seven years and built it. And today we have the opportunity to hear from Don Ferentino in New Jersey with Isagenics. Her story will inspire you. Her story might intimidate you a little bit. <laughs> She's, she has definitely set the bar. If you're interested in people that set the bar, she set a pretty high bar. Almost unbelievable, but we're going to call it believable because she did it. And uh, so this is a good time to disclaim what we do here on the Hero Calls, we don't, we don't interview average people in network marketing. Sometimes people ask me, what does the average distributor earn? And my answer is, well, probably nothing. Because um, average people tend to have average motivation, an average vision, an average work ethic, and they end up getting disappointed after a couple of days or a couple of weeks, and they quit. Um, so the people that we interview on the Hero Calls have built an extraordinary business. And here's the key point. We don't interview people that have built an extraordinary business to send you the message that you will build the same business they did. That because Don built a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business in five years, that you're going to do the same thing. We interview extraordinary people so that, so that you can have the opportunity to believe that whatever your goals are, whatever your vision is, you can achieve it. And yes, you're going to need to put forth an extraordinary effort. And will that end up being what Don built? Uh, probably not. Probably not even close or maybe in some rare occasion even more. But, you know, if you have a, a dream to make an extra $1,000 a month, listen to Dawn's story and ask yourself the question, well, if she can do what she did, can I make $1,000 a month? And one of the things that we know here at Bliss Business is when you make $1,000 a month, you kind of have a better idea about how to make $2,000 a month than you did before you made a thousand, and when you get to two thousand dollars a month, you have a better idea about how to make four. And so that's kind of the progression that people go through. 
So, Don, uh, welcome to the Hero Call. I'm so excited to interview you. You have some some really curious and stellar numbers you have posted. And so I want to hear how you did that. Say hi to everybody, Don Ferentino. Oh, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be on the call. Thank you. You bet. So, Don, we're going to start off by uh, having you tell the listeners your story in two parts. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, who you were before network marketing. I know you're corporate America and a very accomplished uh, fitness and Pilates instructor. So just give us a little thumbnail about life before network marketing. And then the piece I want to drill down on is who was the person that introduced you, and name is okay, but what's more important is how did you know this person if you did know this person, and what specifically did they say to you that had you take a look? Awesome. So before Isogenics, I was an accountant for 27 years. I worked in the corporate world. I wound up going down to nonprofit at the end to try to have a little bit more flexibility with my family. For any accountants that are listening in, they know that we don't have much flexibility in very, very little time. So I chose to go nonprofit and take a huge pay cut at the very end of my career to try to have a little bit more flexibility with my children. I always had a love for fitness, but I was gaining weight and didn't have any energy. And that's actually how I found Isogenics, as strictly a product user at the beginning. I was introduced to Isogenics by an old high school friend. Actually, we've known each other a lot longer than high school, um, Alexis. And really, at the beginning, Richard, I blew her off for about 10 months. Um, it was something that I didn't think was a fit for me at the time. I was looking specifically at the products, was not looking at a business opportunity. And when I was finally ready to commit to the business, my exact words to her were, don't ask me to sell this or I'll block you on Facebook and take you out of my phone. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to... <laughs> That's priceless. Don't ask me to sell this or I'm going to block you off Facebook and take you out of my phone. Yeah, I just wanted to lose some weight and feel better. And I had two jobs at the time, even though I went nonprofit, like I shared to, to try to have a little bit more flexibility, I took a huge pay cut. So I had to wind up going back to work a few nights during the week. So I put in about 15 to 20 hours part-time on top of my full-time job. So I was working a lot. I didn't have time. I had two active boys. They played competitive travel baseball around the country. And I was involved in everything that there was to be involved in, from PTAs to volunteering to um, committees. And I, we actually owned a baseball team at the time. So the last thing that I had time for was building a network marketing business when I didn't even know what network marketing was. So that's really how I got started. And about three months after starting the products and enough people not wanting to call my sponsor because I am a believer in, in referrals, um, I finally decided to, to take a look at it. I'm an accountant by trade and took a look at the comp plan. made sense. seemed lucrative. Okay, so, okay stop there. Um, so two things. How many times did your sponsor call you back in the face of that kind of rejection, and how often did she call you? 
she called me, you know, consistently for the products, check-ins, uh, making sure I was doing it okay, I, I was okay, doing it correctly. So, you know, she was always there for me as, as, a, as a coach, I guess you could say, or as a product coach. She really didn't push me at all in the business. But she pushed enough or she dribbled, I guess you could say, enough for me to kind of take a look. And how and did she do that? What, what did she – what kind of breadcrumbs did she leave for you to discover a podcast. She would send me a podcast occasionally that I would listen to, and she'd be like, "This reminded me of you." Or she would post a <laughs> she would post a story maybe on her Facebook, which she knew I followed her, so of course I would see it. So it was the little dribbles of success. And we have a Wednesday night international call that's been going on for 15 years with with her upline, uh, my upline as well, uh, with Carol Taylor. And she would post that call every Wednesday night on her wall. And one Wednesday night, I decided to call in. And I had called in prior for the products, but I never listened to the business side of it because that was at the end, and I just really wasn't interested in that part of it. And I would listen to the business side for a while after she would post it, after I was on the products. And it just clicked. Like one day, I was just like, it kind of makes sense, and what's better you know, than getting something for free? So let me try okay, to get so my products paid tell for me- Tell me what made sense. And you said something else. You said there, was, there were enough people that didn't want to call your sponsor. I'm assuming that's people that you introduced to the product, but because you weren't selling it, you had to refer them to your sponsor. Can you speak to that? that yes, that's correct. So it was noticeable very quickly that I was doing something. So people asked, you know, what are you doing? You look different. You're... Your face is thinner. Uh, you have more energy. You're not stressed out. So at the beginning, I just gave them Alexis's phone number and said, you can call Alexis and she'll be more than happy to help you. And most people didn't. I think I had maybe one or two friends that actually called her. Most people were just like, nah, it's, not, it's okay. It's not that important. And until one day somebody said, if you can't help me, then I'm not going to call her. I'll find it somewhere else. And this was somebody who I... I believed in my heart really needed these products and, you know, really could use them to benefit her life. And that's when I said, you know what, let me take a look at it. If it doesn't interfere with what I'm doing on a daily basis, I'll, I'll fit it in somehow. And so here's what I want to capture for people. How you started out was don't ever ask me to sell this or I'll take you off, I'll delete you from Facebook and, or defriend you from Facebook and, and block you from my phone or block you from Facebook and delete you from my phone. How many months passed before the voice in your head said, well, this makes sense? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I was joking when I told her that I would be you know, unfriending her, um, but she knew I was serious. And she knew I was serious because of the fact that I just didn't have the time. So it was about three months. I would say three months of me watching other people succeed in getting started in the business and three months of people asking what I was doing. So um, June to September. I started in June. In September, I was actually starting to enroll my friends. Beautiful. All right. So you decided to take a look, and um, you got in. So tell us what your first 90 days was like. Um, so you know, Don, that you know the first 
well, the first nine days, the first 19 days, the first 90 days, these are all so critical. If people don't hit the ground running, if they don't have success, that's where 95% of the people decide it's not for them. What did you do and what did your sponsor and upline do to ensure that you had a powerful launch? We actually did a launch. So the one thing that she had recommended early on, as soon as I pretty much said yes to the business side, was to have a launch at my home. Invite your friends, invite your family, invite your coworkers, your neighbors. Um, she told me to invite everybody. And because I didn't really know any better or any different, I in, literally invited everybody. Like I knocked on my okay. neighbor's doors and I handed out flyers and I stood at the gym and I handed out flyers to people walking out. I uh, went to businesses and hung up flyers. <laughs> so I really invited everybody to this launch. And that's hey, stop, how stop, my Stop <laughs> there. How, how many people do you think you invited to that launch? Oh, I know I invited like over 400. <laughs> <laughs> because I also created an event on Facebook, and there was at least 400 in the event, or maybe 250, 300, plus all the flyers that I handed out. Okay, and how many people showed up? About 40. Wow. So 40 people, I mean, listening audience, just imagine that 40 people came to your first launch event. A couple of, couple of things happen when that many people come to your first launch event. First of all, all of the 40 feel like something is happening here. This is Dawn's first event. I mean, they'll learn that from the story that you're going to tell at the event. This is Dawn's first event. There's 40 people here. There's a lot of excited people. Maybe some people are sitting on their hands. But what people have to imagine with that many people there is, if I don't do this, somebody's going to do it. <laughs> and they get that, you know, what is it called? Fear of missing out. Missing out. FOMO. Yep, fear of missing yeah, out. Yeah, FOMO. They get that, and of course, 40 people in a home creates a lot of buzz, a lot of conversation, a lot of energy. It's totally different than four. Yes. And so what happened? So when I told Alexis how many people I had, she actually panicked. Um, she's like, uh, I need to bring somebody with me because she at the time was you know, just getting started pretty much. She was in a few years prior, but really starting to launch her business about that time as well. And so she brought one of, um, one of her upline uh, people with her, Dennis, and he brought a, the big screen and the projector, and, and it was amazing. We had people sitting on the floor, sitting on each other's laps, sitting on the stairs, going up into the bedrooms. Um, nobody could get up. Once you sat, you kind of were stuck there. And it was really, really impactful. And there was many people that joined that night, not all 40, but I still think when I look back at that invite list that by the time – um, I don't know, maybe the end of the year or two, within two years, I think almost all 40 at some point had joined. So it really was about dripping and, and introducing them and just getting it out there about what I was doing. But I think we had about wow. 11 enrollments that night. 11 enrollments and almost all of them enrolled over time because you learned from one of the best on how to stay connected to people no matter how adamantly they stay, say no because no doesn't mean no, I don't want to gain more fitness. No, I don't want to ever tell anybody about my results. No, I don't want some company 
um, in Phoenix, Arizona to send me a check for $2,000 every month for the rest of my life. No just means, you know what? In the moment that you decided to intrude upon my life and dance your financial opportunity out in front of me when I'm focused on other things, no means no. I'm not going to pay attention to what you're talking about right now. But people change. So what happened in the first year? The first year I launched very quickly. So the first six weeks I hit the first level of rank in our company called a one-star. So in six weeks I was earning a one-star status, which is about a part-time income. Um, My goal was about $200 a month. I earned that the first day. So the first day I said yes to the business, I earned $208 that first day. So the 90 days later, I earned the second rank in our company called a two-star. And a two-star is, is pretty much a full-time income. And I earned that in 90 days. So in the first year in Isogenics, I was already at six figures. We still working wow. two jobs at the time. So did you earn $100,000 your first 12 months or you were on track no, I earned it. Yeah, no, I earned it. I earned my first year. I did the business for four months, and I earned eleven thousand dollars. And then the second year, the full year, January through December, I earned one hundred and eight. Wow. So, um, how many people did you enroll your first year? My first year was around one hundred and forty, one hundred and forty-five people in the first year. And how did you do that, Don? Because that People hear that number and, you know, 95% of the people listening to this call uh, probably haven't sponsored four people in the last three months, let alone 40, let alone 140 in the last 12 months. Um, How'd you do that? Um, I was really big into referrals, too. I just pretty much called everybody I knew, and I told them what I was doing, and I asked them for referrals, and I asked them for their support, and I asked them to at least listen to what I was doing, even if it wasn't something for them. So I just what had really, you? I'm sorry. That's a, okay. So now people hear that, Don, and I know where they go with that is, who calls everyone they know? Who, who goes and asks everyone they know for referral? Who goes and tells everybody what they're doing and asks for help? Uh, you told me earlier that you went and, you know, knocked on doors of businesses like every business in town. I did. Yes, I hung flyers in the businesses, and maybe everyone I know is absolutely an exaggeration because I have thousands of contacts on my phone, and I didn't call all of them. But I did call my closest friends and family and my colleagues at work and and my neighbors. So I called anybody that I have a relationship with. Um, And I did. I went door-to-door to local businesses. I introduced myself as a local business owner um, and asked them if it would be okay to leave either a flyer or some business cards at the front of their establishment, and I would take theirs in return so I could refer them as well. So I what, asked for bus- referrals the, from businesses. What was the motivational conversation in your head that had you see the opportunity as that inevitable for you? So let me frame that a little more. The 
the phases of belief and motivation when people listen to our business, the way I like to describe them is um, if people think it's possible, then they usually enroll. When they uh, advance to a conversation of probable, they enroll and they do something. When they develop a story in their head that success for them and the people that they're going to enroll is inevitable, then they work at light speed, like everything is a green light. They don't even think twice about talking to everyone. They don't think twice about going to businesses and introducing themselves. What had you, what was the conversation in your head about isogenics? And how did you get that conversation? Where did it come from? Did it come from your, your past, like your childhood programming? Did it come from the environment of your upline? Did it come from personal development, things that you read and studied before isogenics? Where do you think that story came from? I think it definitely came from the upline, but I think it came more from work ethic. So at the beginning, um, you know, with due respect to the, to the profession, I treated it like a job. I didn't treat it like a business at the beginning. And like a job, I wanted to perform at my, ulti- at my ultimate best. And that's really what I did, is I just treated this like a job, and I had tasks to do, and, and I had, you know, um, conversations to happen, and I had a certain amount of people to speak to on a daily basis, and I just made that happen. So at the beginning, I treated it like a job rather than a business, which is, you know, there's nothing negative about that, but that's what put me into that work ethic mentality. I also believed 150% in the products, and I believed that everybody needed to be on these products. So it was more passionate about the products, more so than the business. So I wasn't uh-huh. really talking to so many people on the business. I was talking to so many people about the products. Okay, and what, what has your business grown into? So you've been at this for five years. Correct. What's your business look like now? Uh, not business, income, but not income, uh, customers. Just not income, but um, monthly sales, customers, number of distributors on your team, whatever you call them. Yep. So in five years, my enrollments personally have decreased each year, and, and that's expected to happen as you work with your team. So I probably am at about maybe um, in the fourth year. Uh, maybe about 50 people came in to the organization. So on an enrollment basis, that number has gone down due to the fact that I'm working with a team and helping and help gr- them grow as well as, um, you know, expanding right. their, their business. My personally enrolled people, I probably have about 35 of them um, that are actual business people into the organization, meaning they are consultants, they have ranked, they are enrolling people, they are earning money. Um, money, not a product here and there. They're actually earning money. There's about 35 of them. Now, the way our binary plan works, we do have some really, you know, great uh, benefits of a team league. So my net sales or my gross sales, rather, probably within my entire depth or within my entire organization is probably about 400,000 a week in sales uh, based on the volume that comes in because each uh, the volume is based on a, on a conversion of a dollar amount. So being an accountant, I can kind of figure that out. So volume-wise, right. it's about 400000 that comes in on a weekly basis. Wow. And uh, how many people total on your team? 
Um, well, within my organizational downline, and again, because we're on a binary plan, it, it's a benefit to, you know, to us. There's about 49,000 people in the downline. The team itself, my team, probably has about maybe, I want to say, 150 of my own personal team. And then, of course, I have a much bigger team with thousands that are part of my downline that, you know, roll up to me that I work with because of the fact of how we work our comp plan. They're part of right. my downline, part of my organization. Well, as a result of you getting in the business, five years ago, there are over 50,000 people that are also enjoying either these products or the income opportunity. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. As a result of actually Alexis joining, because some of those people are not, um, they're financially linked to me, if that makes sense, and they're on my leg. Yep. So I yep. take responsibility in my own heart that they technically belong to me as well. So I will coach I and mentor it. and support those people also. I get paid on them. Okay. They 100% belong to me to help and mentor them. Right. So um, what is the biggest mistake that you have made in the last five years? Mm. And let me quantify it. Uh, it could be a mistake in, you know, building and strategy, which resulted in a loss of income. Uh, it could also be a mistake that cost you uh, integrity, uh, health, relationship, um, credibility, uh, or just, you know, your team would be twice as big if you'd have done this different. What's the biggest mistake you made? Wow. Um, I think the biggest mistake that I've made, um, and of course we all make mistakes, you have to fail to succeed, um, I think is really having attachments to everyone that came into the organization, maybe wanting it more than them, maybe pushing them harder than they want it to be pushed, not meeting people where they truly, truly were at the time. And I think that that was probably the biggest mistake because it creates animosity. It creates sometimes anger. It creates failure um, if you're pushing somebody faster than they want to be pushed and just not meeting people where, where they are. And I think that's because I saw the success that I had so quickly, and I thought that everybody wanted to do the same. And that's not the case. And that's not the case that everybody has the ability. They have the possibility, but not everybody's going to get out there and do what I did. And I think that that was really something that I struggled with because I couldn't understand why they weren't. If somebody wasn't calling five people a day, I, I didn't understand that. It made no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> now I Got realize it. that that's probably most people, that they don't call five people a day. Right. And so what's the smartest thing you did? Hiring coaches, working on personal development, and really treating this like a business. So um, teams have coaches. There's a football coach, a baseball coach, a hockey coach, and you know we're a team. Network marketing is a team. And you can't build this alone. You build it with a team, but you also can't be successful without a coach. So I hired independent coaches. Um, I always loved my mentors and my upline, but I decided to hire coaches and work on personal development every single day. And that's, that's probably the smartest thing that I ever did was working on me and getting rid of the noise that was in between my ears. Mm-hmm. And uh, any particular programs that uh, you would recommend to people? Well, I'm a, a very big Eric Worre fan. I have been following him probably since the first year, in the middle of the first year. 
Um, I've bought so many of his CDs. I follow him on every platform he has. I've gone to almost every GoPro event since I've been in the business. And I think that that is a wonderful start because it's generic and it talks about the profession. If you don't have belief in the profession, it doesn't matter how much talent you have, you'll never succeed. So I think that that's one of the first starts is to believe in the profession. And then Mm -hmm. the belief in yourself, I do a lot of motivational um, CDs in my car. I have Todd Falcone is is one of my favorites. Um, I also download a lot of YouTubes from uh, Eric Thomas and Les Brown. So I work on that periodically, uh, almost every day. I I listen to something in my car or in my, my office. But it's really working on your mindset every single day, whether it's five minutes or two hours, you have to work on your mindset. Yep. That was the missing link for me. Hmm. So what does the next uh, five years look like for you? What, what kind of vision could you share and path and journey will, be, will you be on, business and otherwise? The next five years for me, I see myself expanding uh, globally on a much bigger level internationally with, with my team. Uh, we are in so many countries, and there's no reason that I'm not in all of them. So that is one of my visions and one of my goals for the next five years. It is also to help create at least, and I plan on doing two to five a year, at least two to five um, six-figure income earners a year. So that is another vision for me in the next five years, as well as becoming a seven-figure annual income earner in isogenics. I may be in their millionaire club, but I'm not a millionaire in my mind until I'm earning that on an annual basis. So that is one of my goals within the next, well, much sooner than five years, but that's one of my goals. Beautiful. Um, And so let's say, Don, that I am one of those. So if you can just imagine who's listening to this podcast, you know, it could be um, now, could be somebody that listens to it as soon as we release it, which will be in a couple of weeks after this interview. Um, or it could be somebody, you know, that would be January 2018. So, or it could be somebody that's listening to it a year later. It could be somebody that's listening to it in 2020. It could be somebody in the United States. It could be somebody in your backyard. It could be somebody in some, you know, one of the almost 200 countries around the world. Um, most of the people listening to it are, are going to be struggling with that internal conversation about like how to see themselves sharing their products and their opportunity with such enthusiasm, so many green lights, such reckless abandon that they're not paralyzed. Their foot not, isn't nailed to the floor. Their, their internal dialogue isn't dominated by what will people think and what will people say to me, but more um, looking for possibilities. Like if I turn over these rocks under one of them is a diamond. Hmm. What, what would you say to that person who is struggling to develop that conversation that will launch them into their own inevitable journey? I think the, the best thing to say to that person is that, you know, there's nothing to lose. And, you know, we, we've, I mean, I worked in corporate America for 27 years, and 
understanding what residual income is is extremely important and understanding the how lucrative it could be is important and i think that when somebody gets deflated which we all do every one of us has been deflated at some point um just remembering that you have the opportunity to change somebody's life whether it's with a product or a service or whether it's with the financial opportunity you have that opportunity to change somebody's life so when you stop with the pity party or you stop with the self-sabotage or with the negative talk and you make it about others. There's nothing that can stop you. And understanding, once again, the residual income concept, it's a beautiful thing. And the more money we make, the more people we can help. The more money that this world makes, the more people we can help. So it's, sometimes it doesn't have to be about us all the time. It's about the people that we're helping. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you don't know me well, so this will be an interesting pivot. Um, if you were to ask me a question that you would want the answer to on your podcast, what would be that question without any planning? Oh, great question for me. I think the question that I would ask you is, um, you've interviewed a lot of superheroes. You've been doing this for, for three years. You've seen so many people rise to the top. And have you seen any of these superheroes um, struggle after they've hit their success? And how do they overcome that? And how do they combat that? Well, sure. Um but I think, you know, struggle with what? Um, you know, probably the biggest challenge that even people that knock it out of the park have is they pick the wrong company to knock it out of the park with. Mm-hmm. And I know you've seen that. They, they yeah. build a big team. They tend to think it is their leadership when, in fact, it was, it was the hype that the company and the the organization sort of wrapped around that opportunity that lifted them to such success. And then people, you know, they find themselves stuck. You know, they're making 10, 20, 30, $40,000 a month or more. And they have discovered they leaned their ladder up against the wrong wall. And, but how do you walk away from that kind of income? Uh, Or they really, they, they leaned their ladder up against a crumbling wall, and um, so it falls apart. So, you know, that's something that is a, it's a big transition that our profession needs to go through is people need to do their homework. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge for us because most people get in kind of like you did. They don't think they're going to get in. They're not looking for what we're doing. They find a product they like, they find people they like, they listen to a couple of conference calls or videos, and then boom, they're in. But they don't ever think, wow, what if I built a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business over the next you know, five to ten years, but I built it in the wrong company? <laughs> they don't ever think that far ahead. And because of that, they don't do their homework. Like they don't even exercise Google. I mean, Google's got to be the, you know, greatest gift to business that mankind's ever created because the first 
five or six pages at Google, if you spend an hour there, will tell you just about anything you need to know about whether or not you're leaning your ladder up on a wall that honors you, that honors our profession, that is legal, that is professional, that has integrity, that is transparent, that is on a uh, using strategies that will have it be here 50 years from now. You know, a question people never ask themselves is, you know, okay, you want to earn $1,000 a month? Great. How long do you want to earn that $1,000 a month? You know, people sort of, oh, uh, gee, I don't know. I never thought about that. I guess as long as I can, that's what they'll say, as long as I can. I said, well, how long is as long as you can? So if you're 40 years old, how long do you expect to live? And, of course, people don't think about that. But if they're 40 years old, they're going to live to be 100. Because by the time they need medical care and technology, I mean, you know, we're going to be bionic. And so the answer is you want to earn that money for, for at least 60 years, but not even 60 years because don't you want to leave that income to your kids? I mean, even if it was $1,000 a month, wouldn't you want to leave it to your kids? So the answer to how long do you want to earn the income, whether it's $1,000 a month or a whole lot more, is forever. Okay, so are you building your income in a company that's set up to last forever? Have they proven that? Do they have a track record that would indicate that? Do they have a culture that would indicate that? Do they have products that are even going to be relevant two years from now? You know, probably... 30% of the products in network marketing are products that people are charging money for that my toaster is going to do for free next year. So, you know, people just don't think about that kind of stuff. Sure. And, I wasn't thinking long-term. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, people need to, like um, – they need to they need to think about long term. They need to think about the profession. They they need to think about uh, how they're going to function in the pr profession, and they need to think about the value of what they're building. I find the greatest motivation comes from people. Long term motivation, not just you know, I'm hysterical. I'm excited, but um, long term motivation comes from people actually going to school on our business model, our profession, and the wealth building aspects of it. When you understand that $1,000 a month in network marketing from the right company should last forever, you'll understand that that $1,000 a month is worth about 200 times that monthly income number. It's not just income. It's an asset. And the asset is worth 200 times the income. So if you're making $1,000 a month in an isogenics, and you're making that $1,000 a month from a team of, let's say, 20 or 30 people or 20 or 30 customers, and those customers have been on the product long enough that it's, they're not just trying it. They love it. This is their product. This is the product of choice. It's like Folgers Coffee or Ford Pickups. Somebody says, you know, what kind of truck do you drive? Ford people say Ford, and they say Ford forever. And Folgers people say Folgers, and Starbucks people say Starbucks, and Isogenics people say Isogenics. If your $1,000 a month is coming from customers and teams that are seasoned, they're tested, they're uh, stained into the fabric of residual income, then that $1,000 a month is not $1,000 a month like you'd earn at Walmart. It's worth 
it's an asset. You'd have to have a rental home worth $200,000 to make $1,000 a month. And when, when, people, when people understand what they have to do to build that kind of wealth in the traditional manners, they have to, for the next 20, 25 years, go without. They have to save $500 to $1,000 a month. They have to invest it wisely. They have to go without vacations, go without gifts, go without the best health care, go without the best education so they can salt away money in a low appreciation long-term model just to end up with a thousand bucks a month in residual income 20 or 30 years from now and our model is you keep your job and instead of scrimping and saving for the next 25 years you make a thousand dollars a month that you get to spend on lifestyle education um, you know vacations uh, health care you know, the best healthcare products, you know, maybe, you know, hire a naturopath that, you know, is on retainer. You get to do stuff like that. And yet at the same time, you're building that $200,000 asset. And when people understand that this isn't Walmart income, this isn't like showing up, putting a blue smock on and saying, welcome to Walmart. And, you know, if you miss more than, you know, 30% of your days, you're fired. This is different, and when they understand the difference, they tend to perhaps see that the work is worth it. And I think the magic, Don, of, what, of your story is you so instantly grasp the idea that the work was worth it. And you, you went and did an extraordinary amount of work at a high level, nothing but green lights. You know, I have an analogy I teach people that, you know, if your company gave you $500 for everybody you invited to look at your opportunity, but you had to invite at least one person a day, who would you talk to, what would you say to them, and what would you do if they said no? And at 500 bucks a head, which is, as you know, the classic definition of a pyramid scheme, you can't do that. But if you could it gives people the idea of who they would talk to. And all of a sudden, it goes from, oh, I don't know. I, can't, I don't know if I can talk to them. I don't know what they'll say. They're probably too busy. They make too much money already. It goes from that to anyone. And the question, well, what do I say to them? And you, know, you go through all that, oh, I don't know. Maybe my sponsor needs to come. I don't, I'll mess it up too. Well, for 500 bucks, I don't know, but something will come out of my mouth. And what do you do if they say no? Nothing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you still get paid. <laughs> and when true. people can drop into that mindset, you naturally dropped into that mindset and look at how it propelled you to do massive amounts of work. And in five years, you've just, I don't know what you make a a year, but my guess is you have crushed the, the four-year career by a multiple of five or ten. And, you, I mean, you could do nothing for the next five years and most likely make, you know, high seven figures a year because you've got the geometric progressions in place, you've got the leadership in place, and most of your team – they haven't even remotely come close to achieving their goals. So 
they got nothing but growth in front of them. Absolutely. As we wrap this up, Don, um, what do you want to say to your listening audience so they remember you and they remember your words and maybe it makes the difference for them to go do what you did? I'd like to leave them all with um, a little story real quick. I built my business literally in 15-minute increments. So when you don't think you have any time, sit down and really analyze your calendar. Map out your entire day. Focus from the time you get up until the time you go to bed. And put in every non-negotiable item that's in there. And then those other pockets of time, they just need to be your business building hours. And if you do that, you may have to sacrifice some things at the beginning, but sacrificing is required in this business to have the life that you deserve. We all deserve network marketing, and we all deserve to live the life that we choose, not one that's dictated by us. We're all um, in the same boat with going on vacations that we can afford rather than where we would go. So maybe make it a model for yourself, a role for yourself, a goal for yourself, that you're going to take a vacation that you choose to go on instead of one that you're settling for. None of us in life deserve to settle. None of us. So beautiful, Dawn. My great honor to interview you and put it in your calendar to ring me up in four or five years. I, I, want, to interview you, I want to interview you again so that p- people can see what the next five years looked like. I would be honored to do that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us on another Bliss Business Hero Call. Have a fantastic 2018 and beyond. Good night. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute, four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.